Welcome to episode 179 of the MCU Fan Show. My name is Sean Gerber, joined by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? It is a... Uh... It's almost Christmas time, mm-hmm. and we've gotten tons of stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm just uh, it, I'm so I'm still reeling from all these reveals we've got from Marvel and Star Wars and the Christmas holiday coming up. It, it's it's a lot to process all together. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean because here we are in our fourth episode covering Disney Investor Day 2020. We had three episodes last week. We're gonna have a couple more this week and a couple more after that. So far, we've focused on the trailers for WandaVision, as well as the Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki. So for this episode, we're going to finish up 2021 on Disney+, Plus because everything that we're going to talk about in this episode covers the second half of the year, starting with What If, and then continuing all the way through Hawkeye, uh, but that also includes Miss Marvel. So we will start by pondering that question of What If, because we did get a trailer for this Marvel Studios animated series, that it looks like it's slated for 10 episodes based on IMDb. And we know some of the storylines that we've seen before in various clips, whether that was at Comic-Con or D23 or just other uh, other little clips we've seen here and there. We know about the Captain Carter plot line with Peggy Carter being the one to get the super soldier serum while Steve Rogers is piloting a Mark I-esque Iron Man suit or Iron Giant-esque Iron Man suit uh, that's made by Howard Stark. We know about T'Challa being Star-Lord, and we saw a lot of other things in this. I mean, we knew about Zombie Cap and Bucky going up against Zombie Cap, uh, but we saw a lot more of Nick Fury discovering the Captain America shield. We saw a really interesting Doctor Strange plot line in this What If trailer. We saw familiar sights from the MCU, like Thor, uh, like a, a scene from the first Thor film with Thor trying to retrieve Mjolnir in New Mexico. Uh, Tony Stark chilling out in the Randy's Donuts donut in Iron Man 2. We saw a buffed out version of the Collector. We see Captain Marvel. So we see some things that look very familiar and maybe with a a slight twist to them. But Paul, I'm curious as to your thoughts, because that's kind of what we do here is get each other's thoughts on these Marvel trailers. But this for me might have been, I don't know if it was the, it might have been the most exciting of all the trailers. It was easily as exciting as any of the live action trailers. I was totally hooked on this What If animated trailer. And I really can't wait for this series because I love the idea that we're just taking all of the mythology of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's been built up over these past coming up now on on 13 years. And you just get to do whatever you want with it. It's just free play with everything that's going on uh, in the MCU and all of these different characters. And so I was really impressed by the trailer. I mean, totally like it felt big and epic and event, especially the Doctor Strange stuff, I think was what really caught my attention more so than anything else Mm -hmm. uh, in this trailer. But I'm totally psyched for what if in the summer of 2021 on Disney Plus. Now, for people before people accuse us of being shills or, or whatever, full disclosure, I am a giant fan of the original What If comic books, or at least the volume two specifically, because I grew up on reading those issues and not really knowing what they were at first. I'm like, what is this? I was just so confused as a kid because I, I remember my first What If issue I bought off the uh, spinner rack was What If Spider-Man Married the Black Cat? Mm. And I just was really just perplexed uh, by what exactly was going on here. And it took me a minute, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a different reality, I guess. So anyway, but I from there, I really grew to love the series because of what you see basically in the sh- trailer. 
is what we would get in the comic books. You would get these different variations of characters and different scenarios that you wouldn't see otherwise, right? I mean, now I think alternate realities are a lot more obviously common because you see them in DC, uh, you know, the Arrowverse or whatever. And, and, and DC did it a lot of the multiverse, you know, infinite, you know, crisis and or crisis and infinite earth, whatever, which one it is. But regardless is that, I loved these different iterations of characters. It wasn't just like a different iteration of Spider-Man where it's like a, a slightly different off-kilter spider or something like that. No, no. It's like, like for instance, um, there is like a Frank, there's like a Punisher Iron Man character in, uh, in an Avengers comic book. Like what if uh, Captain America never fought or never joined the Avengers? And it was basically he got thought out in like the nineties, essentially, instead of in the sixties, you know, it came out in the nineties. Come on. So, uh, anyway, but yeah, at that point, Iron Man. So the Punisher has like this, the, this old prototype Iron Man armor on with the, like the Wolverine ish Hawkeye mask on Like it's, a, it's that costume, Sean, mm-hmm. and it's black and white with a skull on it. And it's just, and it, it all, it's basically is Iron Man with a uh, painted white and black with a skull on it. And then little like guns, co- pop out on the arms it's like the most ridiculous but awesome thing ever and there was tons of stuff like that there's another another issue of what if uh punisher had the venom symbiote and it's like so the venom has the it's venom with with like with pistols and then he's got the punisher merged with the spider-man uh, uh logo together and it's just ridiculous there's tons and tons of fun stuff like that and i grew up loving that stuff so when they announced they're doing a what if series, uh, an animated series, I'm like, okay, that sounds like fun. I, I could, you know, be into that. I wasn't excited. I mean, I'm excited because it's so oh, cool, you know, watching Disney Plus, it's fun. But I wasn't like, oh man, I'm looking forward to this. It was just whatever. But then I saw the trailer, trailer like you said, and I'm like, oh man, like I totally am behind this. And I think it's honestly what, what helped kind of win it over for me was seeing. Uh, Peggy Carter as this Captain Britain character or whatever she's going to be Captain America ish character that I love the idea of this specific Peggy Carter becoming Captain America Mm -hmm. or is some kind of Captain America like character. It's totally in the vein of what I grew up reading and the examples that I just gave you. And so I just, I fell in love immediately again with, Oh man, they're totally doing what I love about the what if series. I mean, obviously you have the watcher, uh, you know, a little bit of a cameo in there, which was really cool. And um, so it was really, really interesting to see my this kind of a childhood thing kind of brought into the the current MCU. And granted, it's animation, but I got to say the animation looked really, really good. Um, it kind of looked like a little a lot higher end version of the Star Wars Resistance animation. And it, before you, you poop on the Star Wars Resistance animation people, um, or that show in general. Yeah, the show was kind of aimed at a younger audience and it's not my favorite Star Wars, but the animation itself, I actually, for 2D animation with a little bit of 3D kind of, you know, you know touches here or there, I thought it was actually pretty cool. I'm really into it. And this is coming from someone who lives and dies by the original clone or the new Clone Wars animation style that I think the, the Bad Batch series is going to be based off of. And I love that animation, I think is top notch. But this animation is not bad, and it looks very, very similar. It's a lot higher end, I think, than the Resistance cartoon, obviously. But it's in that same kind of vein, kind of a, it's mostly 2D, but a little bit of 3D property. And again, this is from the, the trailer trailer that I saw, and I really liked it. I, it won me over immediately, where I'm like, okay, I can't wait for this now. I, I really am looking forward to watching these episodes. And yeah, it, it, again, it's going back to that vein of what 
what I love in the comic books. And if you're not fam- familiar with the comic books, basically the Watcher, uh, you ought to, whatever you want to pronounce his name as, you know me, I can't pronounce anybody's name. So uh, the Watcher, for all intents and purposes, he basically narrates the comic book. And he says, he kind of starts off everything and saying, you know, this is what, you know, this universe, you know, this is what originally happened. But now in this universe, I'm going to watch how this unfolds, basically, is what he essentially says. And then he kind of narrates, you know, throughout different captions in the comic book or whatever. And we're going to probably get that, I'm assuming, in this animated series as well. He'll be narrating the story in some way or, you know, and maybe he'll just show up at the very beginning. You know, And I know Jeffrey Wright is the voice of the Watcher. Right. So there's a lot to me. There's a lot to unpack in a sense to where a lot of fun stories that you like people aren't probably prepared for. Like the one that I have that also felt like totally from left field that I was like, wow, was T'Challa as Star-Lord. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, that's totally like what I'm talking about. That is so bonkers, like off the wall idea. And that's what makes it so fun. And I think people are going to see how fun these, like, these what if stories can be in this animated series. And I, I would not be shocked if it becomes kind of like a, not like a runaway, like huge hit, but I think it's going to be a fan favorite. You know, it'll be a success, but I think people will really be into it when they, when they start watching it. I agree. I think people are going to get a kick out of this uh, this series because it's just it's part of the fun of the what if series in the comic books. I mean, I remember the issue that's always burned into my mind is one of the ones I had was in the volume two of what if in the 90s issue 50 was what if the Hulk had killed Wolverine, which was a reverse of the original volume, which it was what if Wolverine had killed the Hulk. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. I think a lot of people who were fans of comics in the 90s remember that cover because foil covers were everything in the 90s. And you had that metallic adamantium skeleton of Wolverine on that just kind of and that image is always just burned into my brain. But what I like about all of this is that again, there's no restrictions on this. And not that the MCU really confines a lot of stories. I mean, it's a vast universe all by itself. And they've been telling and will continue to tell all kinds of stories. And we know we have things like WandaVision and Loki that are going to push the boundaries of what's possible in the MCU in the main canon of the MCU, but to also just have this where you can just have fun with any sort of possibility and the way they're doing it, the stories that they've selected so far, I think are perfect. I mean, what if Peggy Carter got the super soldier serum? We've known about that one for a while and we knew that T'Challa was Star-Lord because there was a little clip of him being Star-Lord, but to see him actually being taken by Yondu and the Ravagers in Wakanda as a child and then to hear Chadwick, Bose, uh, Chadwick Boseman's voice again as T'Challa, which Kevin Feige in a subsequent interview with Emmy Magazine for WandaVision, he confirmed that uh, Chadwick Boseman did his recording for What If and he's going to uh, he's going to appear in multiple episodes. So to get a, a, at least one last opportunity to hear his voice as that character. And that definitely moved me seeing the What If trailer. And it's also just T'Challa talking to Howard the Duck. So these are interactions that we... I mean, we always could see potentially in the MCU is just having these random character pairings that we wouldn't anticipate. But in what if it just facilitates that so much more and makes it even easier to have these different pairings that otherwise seem impossible or unlikely in the main Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline. And then the animation, though, they were able to capture the big epic feel of the MCU uh, of the MCU visually the most striking element to me was a lot of the Doctor Strange stuff. And when we got to, you know, good Doctor Strange versus evil Doctor Strange at that part in the What If trailer, I was just completely blown away by that. I thought that looks so cool. I cannot wait to see that episode of What If. And and I think for all of them, though, I'm just totally pumped up to see whatever it is they're, they're going to do. 
But I think it's just such a great idea for a series to begin with. And now the seeing more of the execution of it in this trailer just gets me that much more hyped. I think this is going to just be really, really cool. And we've, we're still only scratching the surface of this series because we know that mm -hmm. there's a lot of other MCU stars who've already been confirmed to be reprising their roles and doing their voices in this series. And we haven't really seen that many here. I mean, I think if you if you string it all together... We've maybe seen a handful of the what if episodes. So there's a lot more for them to pull from. And I'm also really intrigued, though, by by the stuff that looks so familiar, like the Iron Man 2 Randy's Donuts scene, like Thor uh, going for Mjolnir in, in New Mexico. Why are we being shown this stuff that looks so familiar, almost looks like scenes ripped directly out of the MCU and we're not fully seeing the twist yet? Uh, that means that the twist is still coming for those episodes. So those should be fun surprises and maybe we'll discover them in subsequent trailers. I don't know. But then other things that are going on that look familiar but are slightly off, like the collector looks a lot like Benicio Del Toro's collector, except he's totally jacked in this trailer. And, and I don't and I don't think that's meant to mean that like they're just they're just exaggerating, you know, uh, they're just exaggerating certain you know, certain characteristics because it's animated, because everybody else seems to be drawn similar to the way they look in the MCU in live action. We don't really see features being exaggerated for characters. So that means there's probably something going on, something else going on with that character. Um, and so there's still all of these possibilities. I mean, and we didn't see like we know Jeff Goldblum has already talked about being Grandmaster in What If, and there's no sign of that character in this. And I'm also kind of hoping, by the way, though, that we get uh, eventually, it would be really nice if we could get to like Grandmaster and Collector interactions uh, in What If. I mean, it'd be nice to have that, even better to have it in live action. I hope we do one day, um, but maybe we'll get even more of that starting in the, maybe that will begin in this uh, What If animated series, but it all looks really, really great, and mm -hmm. I just can't wait to see it. But thankfully, we've got 18 other episodes of Marvel Studios series on Disney Plus between now and What If to help pass the time. But it's going to be great yeah. when this one shows up. Yeah, totally. So after What If, if we're going based on the order that's in the Marvel Studios press release, if we're going back to Comic-Con uh, 2019, then you would think that the next one after What If would be Hawkeye. It doesn't appear that's going to be the case because in, in order of Feige's presentation as well as the press release, which mostly seem to be following some idea, some sense of chronological order. It looks like Miss Marvel is going to be next up. And much to my surprise, because they have not been in production for very long on Miss Marvel, we already got some footage of Miss Marvel. They did a little sizzle reel. It was more behind the scenes about the casting of Iman Vellani uh, as Kamala Khan slash Miss Marvel, which we talked about uh, a, a few weeks ago, or now it's, I guess, months ago. Who knows? Time is whatever in 2020. But uh, we talked about that before on the show. But then we got a little bit of background, and it was really more of an introduction, certainly for a lot of audiences who don't necessarily know this character. She is relatively new. She's only been around for about seven years now in Marvel comic books, but she's made a tremendous impact and has already been a part of Marvel adaptations across animation, as well as video games, I mean, toys and everything else. Ms. Marvel is everywhere except live action, and she will be there beginning in 2021 and it was great to see, you know, just kind of a primer for that character for a lot of audiences, as well as one of the co-creators, Asana Amanat, being able to talk about that. And I love that she's an executive producer on the series, and she was there 
on the Zoom call or whatever that was when Amon Vellani was uh, was cast, which certainly would suggest that uh, Sana was an important part of the decision-making process for casting Miss Marvel and the development of the series, which I think is a really, really good idea. Um, since Miss Marvel was modeled a lot after Sana's own life, if you've seen the Marvel 616 episode, Higher, Further, Faster, I certainly recommend checking that out on Disney+. Plus. Um, but I, I just, everything about this series is so exciting. This has been a character that I, like a, a lot of people, I immediately became a fan of. I think she's the best superhero character that's been created in my lifetime. And a lot of what makes the character so special and so much fun and so enjoyable to read comics about and then will make this character so awesome in a live action series is what we're seeing in just the tiny little bits of footage that we saw is everything that we're seeing in the sizzle reel so far. And granted, it's just it's based on what they've shot at, at this moment, but it's just the daily life stuff. It's the high school stuff. It's her family stuff. Everything that's going on with Miss Marvel um, you know, like, and that's part of the reason why I thought it was perfect for a Disney Plus series as opposed to a movie. Miss Marvel can obviously carry her own movie, and she's going to be in the movies in Captain Marvel too, as we found out during this presentation, this uh, Disney Investor Day. But a lot of what makes her story so good and and so so sincere, so heartfelt, and, and so appealing is stuff that you just don't need a movie budget for, and it's also stuff you want to spend more time with than you would get in a movie. And I think we're seeing little glimpses of that in this sizzle. Um, so I just, uh, I'm really excited for Miss Marvel and and we haven't seen very much of it. So it's certainly not enough to even begin to draw a conclusion, which we wouldn't right. do anyway until we see it. But mm -hmm. the promise of Miss Marvel, I'm seeing that start to be captured in this little bit, these little pieces of footage that we got in this sizzle. Yeah, there's there's a lot to be said with all these Disney Plus shows and the future, and, and we'll talk more about that in other episodes, uh, obviously, and probably for for a long, long time until there's more definitive of what's going on in the future with entertainment regarding you know theaters and and these Disney Plus shows. But um, but yeah, there's a lot to I think for me to be excited about in a sense to where that she's not just going to be this kind of a you know, hope you guys you like this character, and you know, let us know if you like it. They're very confident that the fact that they're putting her into Captain Marvel too, and the fact that that's going to be a an let's be real, it's going to be an important aspect of that movie essentially because we all know, or we all know, but um, if you don't know, Captain Marvel is an important part to Miss Marvel, and so they kind of feed off of each other. I would not be shocked if Brie Larson makes an appearance in Miss Marvel, so. Um, there's, especially in light of things we've gotten recently, Sean, uh, it, it, that right. stuff doesn't even does not surprise me at all. And I think, in fact, it only makes the it builds up the hype. It builds up the excitement for these uh, Disney Plus shows. And you said something earlier um, that I thought was very telling. And again, it kind of brought to my, my mind of the future of entertainment with these with these things with movies. And and I was talking to friends about, you know, the difference between a medium in the medium of, of movie and TV and that it's obviously it's time and in a movie and, and, and I think that I love both mediums because they both tell stories differently. And you said something is now about how it's we're, we're getting this longer the way we need it to. And I think that is such a telling thing about what we're getting from the Disney Plus shows is that we're getting these these, you know, for a movie, you put all your eggs in one basket and you have one you have to tell a very concise, tight and very, you know, uh, very fun, you know, energetic story to keep people going and, and get hyped up on it. Whereas a TV series, it's very much to keep their attention and build up the drama, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that it plays to the strengths of a high school drama a lot more 
in my opinion, than to to have longer episodes than to have it in one movie or two and a half, two hour movie. And I think that is going to be a huge benefit to this character, because if you think about it, if this would have came out before Disney Plus were to come out and you try to, you know, shoehorn, I don't want to say shoehorn in like a, uh, a negative light, but if you try to put, you know, cram this character into a, a film before Disney plus, you know, if it doesn't, let's say connect with the audience initially, then it's going to be hard to sell, you know, again, you don't know what to do with the character necessarily. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, and then granted, Marvel's done a great job of, of like, look at Thor and Captain America's first, or Thor's was a success, but Captain America wasn't a critical uh, and financial success. It was just kind of, it was okay. And if it had that kind of a thing, you, you could build off of that. But again, because the Marvel brand is so powerful, but it's still, it's, it's, it's not, it's a little bit murkier, you know? And, but whereas Disney plus it's different. You may not like the first episode or even two episodes, but there's going to be more episodes after that. And then maybe the third and the fourth will make it so much better that in those first two episodes, you go back and maybe you like them or if you don't like them, oh, well, you like the rest of the series. I mean, that's the beauty of the Disney Plus media and, and TV shows medium in general is that you can build and build and build. And with something like Miss Marvel, that's a brand new character. And let's be real here, people. This is we're going to be getting a whole probable different uh section of the marvel universe potentially with the inhuman which i'm assuming she's going to be an inhuman or something like that we're going to be introduced to a whole different part of the mcu so there's a lot to like dissect and go into that you are going to want more time to explain this and and again i, I want i love both mediums i love the medium of, of a two-hour movie story like this you know one and done and i love serialized TV series, eight, you know, mini series, whatever you want to call it. I love that stuff. I love both. And I think when done well, they're perfect for whatever they need to be. And so for me with this Marvel, I think it just, like you said, like it really hit home with me when you said, yeah, you have more time. And that's exactly what I think we need with a character like Miss Marvel. You need more time to develop because you need to explain, you know, again, the culture that she's in, because you don't want to just, just kind of just, just graze it. You want to go deep into it. So, cause I really think these are, are, are great times and, and things for us to learn about different cultures. And I think that's what I think entertainment and movies. And, and I hate to say, I hate calling things art when it's so much, you know, surrounded by commerce and, you know, corporations, but really we learn through art and art helps us, informs us of, of different cultures, different things. And I think that something like Miss Marvel and, you know, and, and her religion and things like that, these are good things for us to learn about through art and through entertainment. And I think that those are valuable things. And I think that something like Miss Marvel it would be huge for a mainstream audience. And I'm, I can't wait to have that aspect explored on the TV series. So, so yeah, it just, you, you really hit a nerve, a positive nerve uh, there when you said that. I'm like, yeah, because I think a TV series is benefits this character in so many different ways. And I think it really helps people, one, build up to really get to know and love the character. And I think that's important. And I think if you look at something like a, a Black Panther, you know, he was given his own movie before. It definitely, Marvel's kind of realized that, you know, these, these lesser known characters, you know, Ant-Man was kind of an, a, a different thing, but someone like Black Panther, you can build off and build up to their own movie eventually or, or things like that. And that's exciting. I think people really buy into that. And I think there's either do it that way or you do it this way in a TV series where you can build her up. Cause I think that like, like a Moon Knight and Miss Marvel, a She-Hulk, all these characters are going to be eventually turned into potentially, you know, their own films, big, you know, when theaters or whenever that gets, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later more, I guess one day, but 
whenever that's figured out and hopefully theaters come back and we can you know enjoy those things they will be there they'll be in theaters opposed to a tv series because you don't need to have that time to kind of learn the character the culture or whatever that that character has in their in their mythos or whatever so yeah i'm really excited to see where they're where they're going with this and i think this marvel could be that first kind of uh the first of many uh, kind of a different culture, different things for us to learn about. And again, these new superheroes that we're getting the new generation of superheroes. Yeah, I think there's a lot of important points there, you know, about just when we look at this and the opportunities that are here as a Disney Plus series, because I, I think that while, as I said, you get to spend more time in a lot of the areas of Kamala Khan's life that make this character and her story so special and you know, we talk about the power of representation in these stories, the power of inclusion, and that's all very real and that's all very valuable because there are going to be people who see a lot of themselves in very specific ways in uh, Kamala Khan as a 16-year-old Pakistani-American in Jersey City, uh, growing up a as a Muslim and, and have, being part of a Muslim family, and there are different... Uh, there are things that she deals with as being par as part of her spirituality as that are that might be more specific but there's also a lot of things that are universal thematically about Kamala Khan and I think that's part of the power of representation is for more people to be able to see that while there may be specific things within our cultures and our family dynamics and our spirituality that may seem that might be different amongst ourselves, but there's also a lot that still ends up being the same. And there's a lot that is very uh, relatable. And these things that, that build on empathy that people can have for one another, these are very, very powerful things. These are very, very powerful ideas that seem very simple and very preachy to kind of talk about, but the power of them is real and it's too real to ignore. At the same time, as valuable as all of that is, and it's fully present in Ms. Marvel, it's also just a lot of fun to be around this character. And and this is a character who kind of has some similarities to Peter Parker in the way that Peter Parker was a big fan, obviously, of Tony Stark slash Iron Man. But Kamala Khan is like the super fan of Captain Marvel and Avengers and superheroes and all of that stuff. So I love the idea of having a character. And this is the perfect point in the MCU where this mythology is so rich and this stuff has been going on. All of these superhero events for so long in the MCU uh, particularly within the last, I don't know, 13 years, 15 years, whatever it is because of blips and time jumps and whatever else, uh, has been going on for a decade and a half in the MCU. And Kamala Khan at 16 years old has been growing up through all of that. And so seeing, having a character where you see the MCU through that lens uh, for a character like Ms. Marvel, I think is going to be a lot of fun. And as far as this being a series... You know, the scale of Miss Marvel's story, it begins very, very small. And so it doesn't necessarily need to have a major movie budget, nor would I want Kamala Khan to immediately be pulled into the mechanics of a superhero origin movie, because we all kind of know what that is anyway. And, you know, introduction to the life, thing happens to get powers, and then discovery of the power scene, and then go up against the villain, lose, go back up against the villain, win. Okay, got it. I think being able to break from that formula, which I don't think Marvel Studios is going to really go for again anyway in their movies, this allows them to tell an origin in a very different way without feeling the pressure to scale up and make it necessarily, you know, for lack of a better term, worthy, quote unquote, of the big screen. And to just focus on what's right for the character, 
I think is going to be really great. So then when it does build to bigger stories featuring Kamala Khan on the big screen, like we'll see in Captain Marvel 2 and other stories, uh, then it's just Miss Marvel being unleashed on that scale. And I, I think it's just the perfect combination of uh, of all these things for Miss Marvel and a great way to introduce this character on Disney+. And as we've seen so far, I mean, we're seeing big name characters on Disney Plus already and the way these things are tying into the broader MCU. We're not talking about the Netflix shows or even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. You know, this is playing for keeps with these Marvel Studios Disney Plus series. So uh, Miss Marvel is going to be massively important. And based on what we're seeing right now, it looks like they're really capturing the heart and the spirit of this character and, and of those comic books that, uh, you know, written by G. Willow Wilson that were just so great. Um, and of course, they've continued to be written by other comic book writers, but it started with G. Willow Wilson. Uh, those were great books. And to see a lot of those ideas being translated into live action, in the MCU, uh, I think this series is just going to be really, really special. Uh, they also confirmed, by the way, uh, directors for the series, uh, Adil LRB, Bilal Falah, who did Bad Boys uh, for Life uh, back in the beginning of 2020, which I know seems like forever ago, uh, Mira Menon, Charmaine Obeid, Chinoy, and of course we saw Bisha K. Ali, the head writer for the series, spoke during this sizzle. Uh, if you want to hear us talk more about the directors, we talked about that uh, when it was initially reported. Uh, we covered that on episode 172 of MCU Fan Show, so you can go back and check that out. Uh, the next Disney Plus series that we want to talk about is Hawkeye. Uh, which is slated to debut in late 2021. When it was originally announced, they said fall 2021. Now it's late 2021. Not exactly sure when we're going to see Hawkeye, but it's supposed to be sometime next year. We know that Jeremy Renner is back, and now we have, and we knew that Kate Bishop was going to be part of the series. And now, finally, more than a year after it was initially reported that Haley Steinfeld would be Kate Bishop, it's finally confirmed that she's playing Kate Bishop. Although everybody already kind of knew it because of set uh, set photos prior to the Disney Investor Day 2020, but there was kind of a long, dramatic story behind Haley Steinfeld because of a non-compete issue with Apple TV Plus because of her uh, Emily Dickinson series on that platform that maybe was going to prevent her from doing uh, the Hawkeye series for Disney Plus. I'm glad all that's over. I'm glad it worked out. Haley Steinfeld is a great casting choice for Kate Bishop, uh, but that certainly isn't all uh, for the series. Now, some of this stuff uh, got scooped ahead of the the Disney Plus, or I'm sorry, the Disney Investor Day. But uh, and a lot of this was information that came from uh, Variety in advance that Variety reported in advance of Disney Investor Day. But let's take a look at the rest of the cast. You have uh, Alakwa Cox playing Maya Lopez, aka Echo. We have Vera Farmiga playing Eleanor Bishop, so that's Kate Bishop's mom. Uh, Fra Free as Kazi, um, also known as Kazi, probably also known as Kazimira's. Uh, Kazmirachak, the clown, uh, Tony Dalton as Jack Duquesne, who in the comics goes by Jock Duquesne, the swordsman, a mentor of Hawkeye, uh, Zach McLarnon as William Lopez, and Variety suspects that this is a, a take on, that this is Maya's father, a take on William Crazy Horse Lincoln in the comics. And what was also reported but not confirmed during Disney Investor Day is that Florence Pugh is going to be part of the series as Yelena Belova, a character we will initially meet in the Black Widow film. That news, by the way, was initially reported by the direct prior to a Variety's report about the casting for Hawkeye. So there's a lot of moving parts to this series, especially if we're getting Florence Pugh, uh, which leans towards, I don't know, I mean, is this more of the Thunderboltsy type of stuff that we've mm. talked about coming out of Black Widow and the Falcon and Winter Soldier? Not really sure about that. Um, mm. but this series, I mean, 
I'm just really what I'm probably happiest about is that Haley Steinfeld is playing Kate Bishop because that seems like just perfect casting. And it was really disappointing to to get a sense that maybe that wasn't going to work out. I'm glad she's on board. Uh, This series should be a lot of fun. And I'm also excited about the directors, uh, Reese Thomas and the directing duo of Bert and Birdie uh, are doing these episodes. I I think it's going to be. I think the Hawkeye. I know. I think all of these series are going to be great. <laughs> but uh, I mean, true, true. But the, I mean, it's just when you look at the pieces, like Vera Farmiga. Um, by by the way, Burton Birdie directed a film called uh, Troop Zero that's on Amazon Prime that I thought was really, really great. Uh, that one was a lot of fun. So there's just a lot of talent in these series, and Vera Farmiga has been awesome. Whether you're talking about Bates Motel or The Conjuring films, um, or Up in the Air with George Clooney, like she's just amazing and so to have her being a part of this series there's just so much talent in this hawkeye series and i'm i'm so excited by this cast yeah there's a there's a lot to be excited about there's a lot for me that i not to be much desired we all know my thoughts about jeremy renner and his uh, hawkeye portrayal uh for those who and again i'm sure we'll cover this at some point in a patreon episode of some sort some sort of some kind but it's this is based on the Matt Fraction uh, Hawkeye series that came out about what five six years ago. It feels like it was only came out like a couple of years ago, but time flies, man. Let me tell you, time is flying. And uh, and that's actually a pretty solid series. And I know that there's a lot of there's from what I understand, there's a lot of aspects from this that they're going to be using. There's villains in this they're going to be using. It definitely sounds like what you said that they're going to be incorporating a lot of the fur- obviously furthering the MCU narrative going forward with it. And, and and to be honest, honestly, Kate, Katie Sackhoff, I've got Star Wars on the brain, um, Haley Steinfeld, excuse me, uh, you know, I don't, I never saw Bumblebee. I've heard it was great, though. She was great and in I, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I've, I've heard most, a lot of people say they really like yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's actually a true story that I, I didn't watch Bumblebee in theaters. I watched it, I want to say, like, September of last year. I watched it basically the night before the Haley Steinfeld report came out because I watched the, mm-hmm. I watched the movie because it was like a 99-cent rental at that point. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll pay a dollar and watch Bumblebee. <laughs> Might as well. And I watched Haley Steinfeld in that movie, and I thought, you know, she would be really great for Kate Bishop. And then, like, the next day, the initial Variety report or whatever came out saying that she was in talks for Kate Bishop. And I was like, well, that worked out. <laughs> That's hilarious. So... I, and I've heard she's great, and I've not seen her anything, unfortunately. But that all being said, I I, lo- I really like the character Kate Bishop. When we did our, our Patreon uh, episode about Young Avengers, I and, I and again a series that I the re- or at least the original uh, run of that of that comic book, I really liked that character a lot. And I think that Matt Fraction also did a great job with her as well in his series. Um, and so I she's a great character. And I think with a great actress like uh, what, what we have here, it's going to be, I think, a, a real – and with Jimmy Renner in it as well, I really don't think it's going to go wrong, to be honest. I mean, I know a lot of people like the, this version of Hawkeye, even though I don't. Um, I I liked him a lot better in, in, in Endgame, and maybe it'll get it'll, – it'll be continue on from there, uh, Sean. Maybe I'll actually like this new Hawkeye series, and I'll like, like this new version of Hawkeye – I doubt it, but whatever. Uh, I'm willing to, I'm going to give it a chance, obviously, or him in his character a chance. But all that being said, I, I think this will be a really fun story. And again, we're going to. This is about the next generation of heroes that we've gotten, and so this is a probably, I would say, Miss Marvel and this series are going to be huge for mm-hmm. the pushing of the Young Avengers. I mean, we're. we're I think it, 
more so this one actually i would say than miss marvel but that's just my opinion uh, maybe i'll be proven wrong but i would i would assume that you know the first thing i come you know comes to my mind is and obviously in in the 616, 616 universe i already know why kate's there and all that stuff she was if you know she's a whole different character you know she was hockingbird or whatever she was and that which again I, I like that name kind of um but in in obviously in the mcu version you know what i'm intrigued by sean is why is she here why is kate bishop in this why is he training kate bishop and it's just it, 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 those are the things i love about i think the mcu is that and, and that's why I try to stay away from spoilers and, and things like that, because I am you know, intrigued how they're going to incorporate this in the greater Marvel universe. Why, you know, why is Hawkeye training this person? You know, I, I'm assuming it's not Hawkeye's daughter or no, obviously Kate Bishop's not Hawkeye's daughter, but you know what I'm saying? Like right. what exactly is they foreshadow that in the end game or which is great. But where is it going? Where exactly, you know, why is this need to happen? Why does he have to train her, you know, a young girl? I mean, because I uh, immediately I think is like he only sees his daughter in her, you know, and why would he want to train someone? You know, it's, it just doesn't really add up for me. But again, I'm, I can't wait to see the reasons they, they give us because in this comic or in, in the comic books, he's already a hero and, and whatever. But in the mo- in this TV show, and, and that's another thing too. In the comic book, like Clint Barton is what the Clint Barton that I know. He's just kind of a down on his luck, like kind of just right. a loner kind of a guy. Whereas in the MCU version, he's not. He's got a family. He's got you know. He's got a pile of kids. He's got. I'm gonna go ahead and chop wood outside, guys. It's just, you know. <laughs> that's that's weird. I, I'm sorry. That's not my Hawkeye. Um, but uh, or Hawk guy, if you if you know what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, but that being said, I do find it intriguing that where does Hawkeye why does he train K Bishop in the MCU? Like, where does it all lead to? That to me is going to be exciting. And again, you talk about the, the this uh, new uh, Black Widow ish character that we get in the movie. Um, what does that mean for you know what is going to lead to Thunderbolts perhaps again? Which I'm, I'm I'm probably getting more excited for that almost almost as much as Young Avengers. But we'll we'll talk about that later at some point. But but yeah, I think this is going to be interesting. Not my favorite thing. To be quite honest, but again, I'm very, I'm mostly intrigued to how they're going to tell the story because they're incorporating a, a lot of different aspects from the Matt Fraction run. So, unless uh, Hawkeye divorces his wife, runs away, and then like includes himself in a, an apartment complex, which I don't think is going to happen, you know, I, I'm very intrigued where they're going to go with it. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're going to do with Hawkeye and his family because that's one part that that's absolutely absolutely not an aspect of the Matt Fraction run of Hawkeye. But at the same time, these things are never like for like and not everything is translated. So, you know, that just might be one of the differences because it's already baked in just based on the state of things for Clint Barton in the MCU. But I'm almost wondering for Florence Pugh, she might be there more for Clint Barton than for Kate Bishop. Um, Because I'm just thinking of in terms of, you know, the relationship, obviously the mutual friendship or, you know, bond with Yelena Belova obviously being close to Natasha Romanoff. Well, so was Clint Barton. So that's where there's kind of a connection. And also all the bad stuff that Clint Barton did as Ronan uh, when we caught up to with him in Avengers Endgame. So that almost feels like Clint Barton being pushed more in the Thunderbolts direction, whereas Kate Bishop seems mm. to be on the Young Avengers track is kind of where I'm looking at it right now. Um, but of course, I really have no idea what I'm talking about. And we're just guessing here. But I think that with this series, I, I'm really intrigued by uh, that same question that you were asking. Why is Clint Barton training Kate Bishop in this particular series, in the reality of the MCU, why is that happening? Or is it something where, I mean, I almost wonder, feel like it's one of those things where 
Kate Bishop is kind of off doing her thing anyway. And it's like mm-hmm. either he trains her or she gets herself killed, you know, is almost the kind of thing where I feel like it's it might be more of a begrudging thing. Like I have to do this because if I don't train her, then there's like I can't stop her from doing what she's doing. So I might as well train her to help make sure that she's going to be, you know, able to protect herself as best she can. Although I don't really mm-hmm. think Kate Bishop's going to need much help in that respect. as She's a very capable character, as we saw in the Young Avengers comic books, and then, of course, just continue to see in in her with that character throughout uh, going on in Marvel Comics, including the Matt Fraction run on Hawkeye. But then also getting a character like Maya Lopez, uh, played by Alakwa Cox in this series, um, who is uh, Echo in Marvel comic books. She's Mm -hmm. a deaf Native American character who can... She's actually able to copy other people's moves, hence the name Echo. But this is a character who has more association with Daredevil Daredevil. than Hawkeye Mm -hmm. in the comic books. So that's where I'm a little intrigued. And this is a character who is, you know, she starts out as kind of an antagonist, but not because she's an antagonist because she's being manipulated by Kingpin in the comic books. So I don't really think that that's, and as far as we know, Kingpin is not part of the MCU at this point, although based on a lot of Spider-Man 3 info out there, who knows what's who knows like what the rules are anymore of what characters are going to be included versus not included in the MCU. Um, but I don't think I don't expect Kingpin to just be crammed into this Hawkeye series all of a sudden. So I, I don't know if that angle is going to be part of it. Um, it might be somebody else um, who's going to be kind of the the manipulator here, because I, I don't necessarily think that Echo is going to start. I, I think they might borrow that part of it in the comic books where Echo starts out as an antagonist. But she's an antagonist for the right reasons, because she's being told lies. That was how she ended up going up against Daredevil and then ultimately found out that uh, she was being lied to and she's more been more of a hero. So I feel like that's kind of where Maya Lopez might be on a similar track in this series, where for whatever reason, she might go up against Clint Barton and Kate Bishop. But I don't think it's going to stay that way. And I think eventually we'll see this character being more of a protagonist or maybe anti-hero is, is what we might see from Maya Lopez. But it's cool that this character is going to be part of it, and we have another oh, yeah. young, uh, potentially young hero being added to the MCU. Well, and also think about this, too. I'm just going to going to speculate a little bit, because I, I, I've almost forgot about these characters from the, the Matt Fraction run, which, again, I thought the Matt Fraction run is actually pretty good, at least the first 12 issues. It kind of goes off the rails a little bit after that, but whatever. Um that being said, the tracksuit mafia uh, characters that are almost like a joke, they could be essentially what bring in Echo because they bring in another character that, you know, we can, we can talk about it later when we get a trailer at some point. I'm sure that he'll show up in that as well. But um, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if she was a part of that kind of whole thing, too. But and, you know, and there's also a couple of things we could uh, we can talk about here as well, at least for, you know, where she could, you know, what, what it can mean is she could be this could be the where they bring in the, Mag- the Magia. You know, or the Magi, or whatever you want to call them, um, the uh, basically the the Godfather mob uh, of the Marvel universe, the six sixteen universe, and you could maybe have even hint towards a Count Nefaria or or you know or whatever um, things like that. So there's a lot of different things you could do with this whole tracksuit mafia guys. Um, you know, you can maybe replace them or whatever. So. There's, you know, and bring it without using the kingpin necessarily either, because the kingpin is not a part of that uh, family. Uh, so there is some different aspects you could introduce with this series, um, but that you could bring Echo in with. So 
and and also the the, the again I'm kind of dancing around the characters. I'm like a big of a character, but I don't want to spoil it if you want to read the comics or whatever quite yet. So so anyway, but yeah, so uh, I I think there's definitely potential there. I think there's potential there, and then also I mean another aspect of this that might tie in with Maya Lopez if it's not the tracksuit mafia that's manipulating her. It could be a character like Jack Duquesne, the swordsman, because oh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. a too. that's a character who's been, depending on the story, protagonist or antagonist. And I'm almost wondering if this is a mentor of Clint Barton. That's the mirror relationship, right? Is Clint Barton the mentor to Kate Bishop, Jack Duquesne, former mentor to Clint Barton, now maybe a mentor yeah. to Maya Lopez, um, is kind of what I'm thinking there is okay, maybe, okay. maybe that's where they're evenly matched. I don't really know. Um, but there's a lot of different pieces here, and I, and I think that's part of what makes it so exciting. And then also going back to Vera Farmiga as uh, as Eleanor Bishop, that's not a character who is in and of herself a supervillain in the comic books, but she's worked with you know Madame Mask or Mask in, in the comic books. Maybe mm. they just cut that thread and go directly to Eleanor Bishop is Madame Mask in the MCU. That's something that I think is worth keeping an eye on uh, in the Hawkeye series. But so much talent in this series to bring all of this to life. And I just think it's going to be crazy and fun. And I can't wait for Hawkeye in 2021. But uh, before we wrap up here, I just want to kind of recap where we're at on Disney Plus in 2021. So we have on the schedule with all of these series, you know, we have six different series, five live action and the animated What If. All of the live action series are six episodes. It looks like What If is 10 episodes. So that all adds up to 40 episodes of Marvel Studios content on Disney, of Marvel Studios stories and Marvel Studios series on Disney Plus in 2021. Now, maybe it will be less than that, if, for example, Hawkeye is late 2021 and it begins in December and ends in January. But that aside, we're looking at 40 episodes of Marvel Studios series on Disney+. And so if you look at that, if you have 52 weeks in a year, if there's no overlap between these series, then that means 40 out of the 52 weeks in 2021 will have a new episode of a Marvel Studios series. Although it wouldn't shock me if what if, if they dropped them two episodes at a time, but that until we see that you know then we'll go ahead and we'll just say one at a time so if 40 out of our 52 friday nights are covered by marvel Studios series on disney plus that's going to be a pretty great year um and that's not even adding into the mix movies like if we do see and we'll talk about this more in our next episode if we do start to see premiere access offerings for things like black widow shang chi and eternals and there's no overlap with uh, series when those drop on Disney Plus. You could end up seeing as many as 43 Friday nights uh, out of the 52 in 2021 that have a brand new Marvel Studios story, or at least a brand new chapter of a Marvel Studios story. That's a lot of Marvel, but I'm way past the point of uh, wondering whether or not the whether or not the audience has an appetite for this much Marvel. I think they do because these are going to be in smaller chunks uh, with a lot of these Disney Plus series. Um, and not necessarily everybody has to watch everything anyway, as we've already seen with uh, the MCU. Uh, but I think the appetite is there as long as the quality goes along with it. And until Marvel Studios suffers a, a dip in quality, um, then I, I think uh, I, I don't really suspect that they're going to do that. I think these series are going to live up to the promise that they all hold. Uh, and we're just going to be having a lot of fun every, almost every Friday night on Disney Plus in 2021. It's crazy. That is really crazy to think about, Sean. 
to be quite honest. That's yeah. really nuts. I mean, basically four out of five Friday nights are covered with Marvel yeah. Studios. It's it's nuts. Yeah, it's, crazy. <laughs> like, it, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I can't believe that that's uh, what we are that w- what we are about to see. And at least now going into this year or going into next year with 2021, we know the audience is starving for Marvel content because they didn't get any and won't get any in, in 2020. Um, so it's nice that they have uh, it's nice that they have all of this stuff ready for us uh, for next year. And obviously it's going to go much further than that. So uh, that is where we're going to wrap up this uh, episode of the show. But just remember that uh, there's a lot more. I mean, you, you're aware of it. You're probably wondering why we're not talking about it already. There's a lot more still from Disney Investor Day. There are new Disney Plus series that are announced. There's new details on movies that were announced. Fantastic Four being confirmed with director John Watts. We're going to talk about all of that in upcoming episodes. The next episode in our series talking about Disney Investor Day 2021, we will look at the 2021 feature films from Marvel Studios. Not that we learned a lot of new information about them, but it's really more of what we didn't see, whether when we're talking about shrinking theatrical windows and stuff like that, premiere access, things that weren't confirmed during Disney Investor Day. We're going to break that down, but then we're also going to talk about a 2021 Marvel Studios movie that was not part of the Disney Investor Day presentation. That, of course, is Spider-Man 3 being distributed by Sony Pictures. We've had a lot of reports about that film lately, so we want to break all that down for you in our very next episode, and you'll know when that episode is available if you're following us at at MCU Fan Show. Uh, if you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, those are the places that you can find us. And if you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate a rating and review when you find the time. And then you can also check out more podcasts that are not exclusive podcasts, not available anywhere else on our Patreon patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. And that includes outside of the MCU content and podcasts like Fan Show Plus, where lately I've been doing episode by episode reviews, spoiler reviews of the second season of The Mandalorian, which just wrapped up uh, over on Disney Plus. And then uh, I think that's it. Oh, yeah. For more information on where you can get all those podcasts, (laughs) uh, visit patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. Paul, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. You can find my other podcast, The Saga Continues, my Star Wars podcast with my good friends, Kyle and Tim. Also, the uh, Comic Binge podcast with our good friend, Chris Clow. Uh, we just did a, a, a Daredevil episode where we did some, a 90s uh, comic book, or Last Rites, a.k.a. The Fall of Kingpin, with the uh, with the guy who runs the website, The Man Without Fear, the pretty much the number one Daredevil fan. Super, super rad dude. A uh, lot of fun. Talked a lot about Daredevil. Uh, has, he has a lot of stories, man. He's talked to a lot of Daredevil people out there. Um, so great stuff there. That will be dropping hopefully in the next couple weeks. And uh yeah, I've been doing uh, a lot of new some Spider-Man podcast on the uh, Spider uh, Spidey Dude Experience uh, on the Spidey Dude uh, Podcast Network. Uh, Zach Joiner, I've, I've followed Zach a long time uh, in podcasting. Good guy, been great talking Spider-Man comics with him. Look for a lot of uh, really fun stuff in that in the future. So, yeah, uh, check me out on there. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. By now, I think you all know the spelling. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening to MCU Fan Show. We'll see you next time.